When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, my name is Aiden Mattis. This is Thorn Bussy. He has returned. He's been gone for several weeks now. Uh, it's, it's only two. <laughs> it has been two weeks, but only two. The first week was, what was it, 4th of July? Yeah, it was 4th of July weekend. And then second weekend was my birthday weekend, so apologies. But I'm back, and I'm bussing with some sunburn. Uh, got got pretty pretty nailed on the boat yesterday. Took my aunt out for her birthday, so... This is like the, the worst series of words I've ever heard come from your mouth. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's not quite the last time that we did the show together, but I think the last time we did the show together was in June. Yeah. Might have been the weekend after we got back from the trip. And it is the 17th. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wolf. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today, though, to start off, is that, that trip that we took. And for those of you who have seen... The new documentary. We hope you all loved it. Uh, it was a lot of work. We definitely, definitely enjoyed doing it, but oh my lord, was it a lot of work. Did he disappear into the 70s? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You kind of do look like you disappeared into the 70s. You know, all I can say is gas prices were pretty comparable. Yeah, true. And, oh, uh... I don't know. I've been getting into disco lately, so... I hate that you just said that. Like... You cannot tell me "Born to Be Alive" is not a bop. It, 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 it is not a bop. It's a great at bop. All. It's not a bop. Oh, yeah. I am glad that you had not yet discovered that when we drove up to New York. <laughs> um, that would have been hell on earth. But speaking of the drive up to New York, um, oh. was not actually bad. No, no, it really wasn't that bad. No, um, gave us a lot of time. We, as anybody who saw the documentary saw, we. Um, we jammed out some music, we yes. had a good time, we lived the supernatural lifestyle, staying in crappy motels and eating diner food, staying at the Days Inn in Albany, New York, and eating crappy food. I uh, went to the Capitol Diner, which was, that was only, cool. I think it's the only time I've ever not finished a waffle. I say this as a man who ate three waffles this weekend. I had three waffles, Aiden. You had too many things. I had too many things. Also, I do love that the waffle lore exists in the sense of the, that bit of the video starts off with you saying, I think this is the first time I've had a waffle not in Pennsylvania. Yeah, which it turns out is not actually the first time I've had a waffle not in Pennsylvania. Um, my parents informed me that I had waffles in Rhode Island all the time. They are correct in the chat, though. We took the wrong car. When? What? No. What, are you the How It's Made theme song? <laughs> Like. <laughs> I love that that's where your head went, too. Uh, no, brand consistency. We were doing the supernatural thing. The car know, made I sense, know. you know. Yeah, it is it is what it is. But we will say from the start of the show here, uh, this is definitely going to be a bit more of a Q&A show um, because we did so much with that trip, and obviously we can kind of do a behind-the-scenes section for, for you guys now. Yep. That's kind of what we want to do. Um, I will talk through the whole thing and explain, you know, the, the story and all that, but feel free to ask questions as soon as I'm done with, uh, with the story on this one. Yep. So 
to to just kick it off, uh, gist of everything, and I can't remember if we've told the Tom Messick story recently on the show. Uh, we did it the week either after or before we went on yeah. the trip. So just to, to really quickly go through the story here, uh, November 15th, 2015, <laughs> what? Uh, so I was still smiling because of your How It's Made comic because I thought it was really funny and I just looked down and they're saying I turned into a droid and a transformer and I'm just like, considering that came out of nowhere, it's very entertaining. Thank came you out guys. of nowhere lightning fast and it kicked Chuck Norris in the cowboy ass. It's the bloodiest battle the world ever saw with civilians looking on total law. The fight raged on for accessory and then Eliza came but eventually champions stood the rest so they're better. Man, I wish I knew that reference. Mr. Rogers in a blood team sweater. Yeah. That would be a sight. That's uh, the, the ultimate showdown of Ultimate Destiny. Destiny. It's from a, a long time ago on YouTube. Wow. A really long time ago. We were in different circles on YouTube, but man, that was that was awesome. Yeah, it was on like the Kingdom Hearts Crazy Files side of YouTube uh, back in the day. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not, not my side. But to finish what yes. we were doing. Yes. Sorry. Uh, November 15th, 2015, as the story goes from David Politis, Tom Messick went on a hunting trip at an oddly late hour. They got there around 10 a.m., driving from Troy, New York, up to Brant Lake. They drove down Lily Pond Road about two miles. It took them 12 minutes to get there. Started hunting around 10 a.m. They had two lines set up. One line was a line of drivers. The other was a line of watchers. And the idea is you drive game towards the watchers. So mm. the younger men went, and of course your thought on this was, is it possible they accidentally shot each other? Yep. I think between how dense we saw the forest was and the fact that these guys are experienced hunters and this is a normal hunting practice, I think it's safe yeah. to assume that there was no accidental shooting. Here. Especially considering Rich was saying when we were speaking with him, that's not uncommon mm -hmm. for people to do. Also, the, the amount of hills and everything. Um, you know, it was... A, when I there's one scene where I run off into the woods and I think it's really funny mm. because the scene is literally just me being like I'm gonna run off into the woods and scream at you yeah and then you cut it to just me screaming and I thought yeah. like, I was watching it was like that is perfect yeah that is exactly how I was hoping this would go oh yeah um but I could hear you you could hear me talking conversationally mm -hmm. through those woods and yeah. the thing was I was probably 30 feet up yeah at that point so I mean, the, the thing about it is, like, I, I, I've never gone hunting, but I have done a lot of shooting in my life. There's no way that the the arc of a bullet would result in them accidentally hitting each other anywhere within a mile. Like, no. it's just not possible. It wouldn't happen. Um, so, that that is clearly not how it went. And then, following that, uh, we had the the encounter with rich where he was telling us about the the search itself going into it the story we got from david politis uh is that they went out at 10 a.m and then i think around two or three o'clock they decided they hadn't seen enough game it was too quiet nothing was going on they just it wasn't worth it they were going to go back mm. to their campsite and hunt that story did not line up with what we were told. No. Because what we're told is that when they got there, they spread out in a line, the four older men, Tom, and then 100 yards far from him, there was another, and then 100 yards from him, and then 100 yards from him. So we've got four people across a space of, what, that would be 300 yards? About that, yeah. Yeah. Um, you and I were only 100 yards apart, and we could hear each other perfectly. Mm. I... Which means that even a yelp would have been heard. Yeah. So whatever happened to Tom happened completely silently. 
Mm. There's there there's no way if that is the case. Mm. There's no way that anything took him without being hurt. I know we touched on it a little bit in the video itself and then obviously like after it and also offline. But I'm just curious about what you think in terms of Rich's theory of the fact that he was never there. That's what I wanted to get to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I was trying to yeah, like, yeah. You know, set up for. Because the way Mr. Mr. Ballin and David Politis, uh, you know, have told the story, and of course Mr. Ballin got his version of it from David Politis, mm-hmm. we went and did something different this time. Um, instead of using prior research, instead of using Strange Outdoors or Mr. Ballin or uh, David Politis or Can-Am Missing Project... All of the research we did for this was entirely us. Um, And what we found was the story you get from the Missing 401 documentary Mm -hmm. is not something anybody in town seems to believe. Yeah. There are two main theories. One of them is aliens. The other one that we heard over and over um, was he was never there. And I think it makes the most sense. Yeah. Because with a search that extensive, if he had left anything, because remember, this is the, the way this search worked, there were bump lines every three feet. Mm-hmm. They searched like dozens of square miles, thousands of searchers. There was nothing. Yep. Not a trace of this man. And the part that I that Rich mentioned that was that stuck out to me so much, and I'm glad we talked to actual hunters. Yeah. The part that stuck out to me so much was the part that was kind of left out of the actual documentary. Not our documentary, but the Missing 411 documentary. He had never... There was no sign that he had brushed any, like, debris away from where he would have been standing. Yep. And what the hunters were telling us is first thing you do when you set up your hunting spot is you brush everything away to make sure that you don't actually step on a six, that you don't crush any leaves, anything that would alert any game in the area. Yep. And then we also heard from people that they have never experienced the woods going quiet the way it's described in the documentary. So it almost sounds like the the way the documentary is worded and the way that the family sets it up, the specific details they give make it seem supernatural, make it seem like something paranormal happened. And I do wonder if that's to throw things off. I do wonder if that's to, you know, make people think that something paranormal happened mm. so that they're not thinking about mundane explanations. Yeah. Now, the police didn't seem to believe there was any foul play or that there was any motive, any reason for it. At least they didn't report on that being the case. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but it was hard to get a sense of what the police thought happened because I reached out to four different law enforcement agencies and heard back from three I yep. uh, one of them actually gave me an interview which we did not make the documentary because honestly there just wasn't really anything in it we can release it separately but there was really nothing in that interview that told us anything yeah i mean you got generally the gist of it from the conversation that we had in the car at one point where he was discussing these things but yeah beyond yeah. that you know so the fbi i uh, confirmed to me that they received our inquiry mm. and just didn't respond um, the state police did not respond to anything and the forest service basically just told me that nobody was willing to talk to me. Yep. County sheriff was happy to talk to me. 
but he didn't really have anything to tell me. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it's weird. But the the locals didn't, the people who hunt that area could not tell me of a time where they felt like the woods truly went silent. Yeah. They couldn't tell me of a time that they felt uneasy. I, I nearly broke out though, like, do you notice any smells of sulfur or anything? Yeah, like, yeah I yeah, almost yeah. brought out the full supernatural playbook because any cold spots? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, but there was nothing. We heard yeah. nothing. It was just people basically saying, "Yeah, there was an intensive search. The people who we were looking for were not, you know, townies. They weren't locals, and we found nothing." Um, I did think that was also another interesting aspect of it is that they weren't local, mm-hmm. um, and for something that only happened seven years ago, I feel like if somebody from around here went missing under those circumstances and there were that big a search effort for them, mm-hmm. it would, we'd remember. Like, if that had happened in our in our towns growing up seven years ago, yeah, I think we would remember it. Yeah. Especially a with lot that of people, amount of effort, yeah. A lot of people up there were like, ah, yeah, Tom Messick, I remember that. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't fresh in everybody's mind. It wasn't a big deal. This is where this guy went missing. Mm-hmm. This is a nationally discussed missing persons case. Yeah. And the people in Brent Lake didn't care at all. It And, and it wasn't like a... It didn't feel like it was a... They don't care because they were outsiders or something like... They just, it just didn't seem to like... It, it was like they'd all put it to bed seven yeah, years ago. Well, I mean, it doesn't surprise me, though, because if you're not directly involved with that individual who went missing, you're not mm-hmm. really going to, like, you know labor over it for very long yeah so but it's just strange to me like when i think about it when i think back like you know and and i think what what causes the the difficulty for me is that it is such a big deal Mm -hmm. online yeah so for it to not be such a big deal there caught me off guard yeah if that makes any sense no it makes total sense but I, i think it also does make sense in the sense of how many times can i say the word sense um you know, at least just relating it back to things that I've had experiences like that with, you know, for me, you know, my entire 40 pages guitar and mm-hmm. I see like a million people who just can play like gods mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my God, like I'm so bad at guitar. And then I hang out with a few people who like have been playing for a decade and like they can't solo. They can't like do this, that or whatever. They're just like, yeah, I, I can play. Or why don't you? What? No, not you. <laughs> not you specifically. I was actually referring to some people, um, that some of my, you know. Uh, constituents at the Grateful Dead concert that I oh, went to. Of course, constituents. Yes, that's yes. that's the term. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, they're not they direct friends. For you? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're like they're they're people that I know through my dad, my Got primarily. Um, I gotcha. But like, yeah, and it's just like, yeah, I, I I know like several songs I can play them, but it's just like mainly acoustic stuff or whatever. It's like, oh, that's right. Not everybody who plays guitar, a, knows every pedal under the sun. B practices mm-hmm. soloing five hours a day yeah it's just like you know so in that regard i can understand where they're coming from but in it's in a case like that where it's that big of a missing mm-hmm. person's case in terms of a small town because mm-hmm. like the, the only differentiation between that and here is that here there's like 40 some thousand people in phoenixville alone and we're one town of many in the same area whereas up there brant lake yeah, you've got Lake George not long away, but that's, again, more of a yeah. uh, uh, vacation destination. Yep. Brant Lake is very small, very small local population. So, like, 
for something like that to mm-hmm. happen, yeah, it makes sense that it's a bit weird. Also, is brings up uh, that the word you're looking for is acquaintances. Ah, uh, yeah. yes. Which Thank you. Is is the word? I just think constituents was really funny. I don't know where it came from. Sometimes my brain just preparing to run for office. Oh, thank oh, God, no. God, no. You were appreciated. Thank as you, well, Dennis. Dennis. We appreciate you as well. Thank you. Um, <laughs> what what was the question? Uh, just, uh, God, yeah. um, <laughs> I saw it. Yeah, yeah I saw yeah. it. Uh, I'm just like I, I'm still I'm still stuck on the fact that people seemed so deeply unconcerned. Like yeah, like it was it, it was a we were the novelty there. Yeah, was oh my God, look at these you know. Two guys who aren't from around here who are up here asking questions. It, it like, it wasn't the mystery of the legit missing persons case that has gone unsolved for seven years. That's not what they cared about. It was, oh my god, YouTubers. Yeah, like that was yeah. literally the reaction we got. Especially the one kid, uh, richest kid. I can't. Yeah, Caden. I think. Caden. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Uh, he was in the in the premiere. Mm-hmm. He was watching it. Oh, in the actual. Yeah. Pre- oh, nice. I knew yeah. That. He was like, oh, that's me. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I saw him in the uh, this podcast that we did after we got home mm-hmm. but i didn't see him in the premiere so that's nice yeah he was there on friday awesome um but yeah so i mean c- coming out of it and i'm i'm excited to do more of these we're probably gonna have to set up a kickstarter or something but uh i'm excited to do more of these because i feel like the actual explanations not to say that they're that we really did get an explanation here but the the theories you get from the locals mm. are so much more interesting yeah. Than the Reddit ones. Oh yeah, yeah. We're, because there's there's a an understanding of the region mm-hmm. and the local community that you just don't get when you're looking at the objective facts of the case. Yep. That when you go and you talk to these people, it becomes clear like, okay, this town has has a theory about yeah. what happened. Yeah. And I'm sure that's the case with almost every single one of these cases, whether it's Dennis Martin, Danny Philippitis, uh, Charles McCuller, Chris Thompson, yep. Tompkins, any of these. I'm sure that the locals have their own thoughts, and I would love to learn all of them. In relation to the idea that he was never there, somebody had mentioned earlier, I think it was, uh, what, what was the name? Uh, oh, it was Dennis earlier on before he super chatted, but he said, um, did you ever find, and I can't remember if we mentioned this on a podcast or not, uh, and I, I know we didn't uh, cover it a ton in the actual documentary, but did you ever find anything specifically in relation to Tom's brother that supposedly went missing? I'll admit I didn't do a ton of digging. Yeah. But from the digging I did, I could not find anything that stuck out. Yeah. Um, I'll look into it even more, but that like, it it just, I would have thought that should have been bigger news, you know? Yeah. I mean, with, with Tom... I mean, I guess, because what, it was 2015 that Tom went missing? Yeah. So... Uh, 2005. Yeah, 2005. Internet wasn't as... It wasn't in Internet 2.0 at that point, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting uh, delineation that I discovered recently. Apparently, the different eras of the Internet are Internet 1.0, Internet 2.0, and we are currently entering Internet 3.0. What does that mean? So, Internet 1.0 was like chat rooms and uh god what what was the one music sharing website that it was essentially just all pirated music but everybody was sharing it but the, that mm-hmm. um even before myspace and just you know like uh, america online so aol just all like all mm-hmm. those like kind of random little just personal things 
And then Internet 2.0 was YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, all of those things coming into play, and like 4chan and stuff like that. Napster, that's it. Thank you, Kalen. Kalen, uh, remind me how the proper pronunciation is. Uh, pronunciation. Pronunciation, there we go. Um, yeah, Napster, that's it. LimeWire as well, as well. But yeah, so apparently that was Internet 1.0. Uh, where everything was kind of decentralized completely and it was just like everybody had their little niches and stuff still. So it was still little communities. And then Internet 2.0 was when everything got global mm-hmm. um, with all of the you know different social media works that we have now. And apparently 3.0 is essentially meta and what they're trying to do with like the metaverse and VR or AR and stuff like that. I, I I have zero interest in any of that, but yeah. I thought it was interesting because I'd always wondered if there was some form of delineation between what was prior to and post social media proliferation online, mm-hmm. and apparently there is, so that's cool. Yeah, sorry, I just wanted to look through really quick. Yeah, there's mispronounces <laughs> pronunciation. Oh no! Yeah, for some reason the link between my brain and my mouth lately has not been great. I don't know why. He's pretty not smart. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, there's just nothing. Yeah. Like, there's nothing on his brother. Um, and that's that's bugging me. But I'll have to look into it more. Um, I learned a lot about how to look for people uh, dealing with all this millennial stuff. So, um... Did you want to touch on that at all? I don't know. I mean, um, if people, if the people want to hear about Momlennial, and I, I'm happy to talk about Momlennial, but I, I we're getting to the, the second half of the uh, the show. And yeah. So, okay. So, basically, as we get into the second half of the show for the night, we've gone over our thoughts. We would love to hear questions from you guys. Yeah. As always, we answer Super Chats first, um, and then any other questions we can get to. Did we ever have a chance to sit down and do donation goals for July? No. I don't think we did. No. So, we're just not going to do donations for july we still yeah. got to work on uh we do have the music for the screamo bob the builder the big um, cheese for 199 says no question just take my money well thank you thank you and we will and we will put it to use to try and fund more trips like the one we just did a few weeks ago yes because boy it was fun and we'd like to do it again but boy was it expensive it was so much money so uh we will probably be posting kickstarters yeah that's smart. for these from now on um just, just so that we have a shot <laughs> yeah. at uh, at making, at, you know, making a trip that doesn't cost us money. Um, I will say it would mean the world to us if those of you who are watching right now would I uh, would share the the documentary on Facebook, yeah. Instagram, YouTube, uh, whatever, awesome. wherever you have a platform. If you would just share a link and ask people to watch it, it would mean the world to us. Um, you know, we worked really hard on it, and it's it, it was a labor of love, and we can't wait. For, for more people to see it and we yeah. hope it blows up but if it doesn't you know it is what it is we'll keep we'll keep grinding and our plan is to do one with a guest yes there is i i i'm happy to talk about that i'm, cool. I'm willing to do admit it. that um we do eventually want to get down to tennessee to do mm-hmm. the dennis martin case on the ground uh if we do that i have all all but complete confirmation from wendigoon that he will uh be involved that you'll be on the ground with us. So if you want to make that one happy, eh, make that one happy, make that one happen, um, that will get you Wendigoon content as well. And just <laughs> just so you know, uh, when when that occurs, of course, I will be retracing Dennis Martin's steps while they stand aside, and I will be behind, hiding behind a bush. If yeah. I disappear, 
I'll try and find my way back and let you know what happened. Or he'll just disappear. Yeah, I might just disappear. Uh, uh, try and pronounce my last name. Cheers. Joshua Med- Medeiros. Medeiros? Medeiros. Yeah, that's my guess. I mean, yeah, that's there's probably some guess. form Medeiros. of Greek inflection would be my guess, but... Well, that's, that looks... Or somewhat Mediterranean. Hispanic, actually. Medeiros. Yeah, but Joshua makes me think non... Uh, maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me if I'm wrong about the Greek thing, and then okay. if I am wrong, tell me what it actually is. Uh, also, there was something up there. Um, Adam Arbu asked, "What did the total cost end up being, anyways?" It, I, it was somewhere between five hundred and a thousand for us to shoot that. Something yeah. about something like that, yeah. Which, in terms of the budget we had, I am very impressed with how, yeah, how well it turned out. Um, Ideally, I saw some comments about the audio. I know <laughs> we were working with a GoPro, yeah, and we, we like we don't have an external mic. I have a shotgun mic that I plug into my camera. That's it. Like that's the best audio equipment I have. Yeah, we're so. we're pretty limited in terms of equipment. Um, <laughs> Very much so. Uh, let's see um, what else we got here. Uh, Thank you for falling down the rabbit hole. Yeah. I hope it was a soft landing. Um, Peaky Blinder asked something. Uh, what do you think about the phrase "reject modernity, except when dussy"? You know what? Go for it, guys. I mean, it, it's on brand. At and this you know point, how... at this point, I can't stop you. We do not celebrate the Battle of Waterloo here, though. Um, <laughs> why would we? I don't know. It's the English winning something. I don't know why we'd celebrate that, but it is. I, it is the French losing. I do celebrate the Battle of Seventy Three Easting, though. Hmm. The Battle of Seventy Three Easting. I don't think I know what that is. The last major and last great tank battle of the twentieth century. It was in the Gulf War. It was uh, nine Abrams tanks versus 40 Iraqi tanks. Oh, is this the one where we didn't lose a single tank? Not a single casualty. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Against 40 Russian tanks, but by the Iraqis. And it was just... There was one moment in that battle where... So we had the nine Abrams tanks, but we also had some smaller uh, scout tanks as well. And the commander of one of the scout tanks was running along. The, The whole reason that the ambush happened was because the Abrams and the scout tanks were going up a very slight incline in the desert. So they didn't realize, but they didn't know they were on a slight incline. Mm-hmm. And so they thought it was just a you know, open horizon that they were approaching. And then they get to that horizon line, go over it, and find buried in the sand, ready for an ambush, was 40 Iraqi tanks just ready to go. And anyway, so that like whole thing happened, whatever. But at one point, one of the scout tanks was running like through all of this stuff. And the commander was looking out, and he was like, Okay, we're good. And the driver yells up to him. He's like, sir, there's a tank right in front of us. And he looks out of his commander's hatch and he's like, what are you talking about? No, there isn't. And he's like, no, there is one right in front of us. So he opens up the hatch, gets out, and looks down. (laughs) And there's a dug-in, like, Iraqi tank slowly turning its turret toward that, you know, like, scout tank. And the commander's like, whoa, and like, go! And they just beat it. It's just, it's so funny. But I want to make a movie about that so badly because it's such a cool story. Oh, I love that. Yeah, Um, it's fun. Okay, uh, Tanuki Tatsuya for 99 cents says nothing. Thank you. Um, Sweet. Followed by Josh Medeiros saying, Portuguese, honestly, that was pretty much correct. Yes. History Daddy for two says he'll pop a link in a little TikTok tomorrow. Thank you, History Daddy. And Patrick Longa for or um, says uh, ten dollars. Thank you. He simply said ten dollars. I do, in fact, enjoy saying money. Yeah, I think that's another thing we should do is we should uh, we should prioritize um, even just chats from members. So if you oh, yeah. answer your question, yeah. yeah, that'd be cool. Yes, yeah, so we're gonna do that too. Um, 
Uh, so Quattro says, my dad was a couple miles away from that battle in the Desert, Desert Storm. He was uh, also a tank driver. Oh, no way. That's sweet. Message me on Discord. I want to talk more about that. Um, tried to super chat, but do either Aiden's know any good tobacco blends or brands they could recommend? I do not Ooh. smoke tobacco at all. I I have one sitting in my room. I rarely use it, uh, but it was from a place in New York. I have a pipe that I got from a buddy of mine. Uh, I enjoy pipe tobacco because it's just it's a lot more aromatic and flavorful than anything else. I enjoy cigars as well. Uh, they're more... Cigars are more the aesthetic and the enjoyment of blowing smoke. They will, they can, like really good ones will taste good in the last while. It's great. But the nice thing about pipe tobacco is that there's a much, pipe tobacco is basically the inhalable, but like only in your mouth, just remember. Uh, it's basically the inhalable version of coffee. Like, you know how they're like coffee people? There, that exists as well with tobacco. Uh, and all of the different blends and all of the different growth regions are very in coffee are very similar to that in tobacco so unfortunately i have only dipped my toes in that i haven't taken the full dive so i can't recommend anything specifically but uh you are now making me want to do so so thank you hmm. oh rangers apprentice i have not started yet unfortunately i have a large list of books i'm currently working through the one i'm currently working on is stolen focus by johan hari which is a beautifully informative book about specifically how our collective capability to pay attention and focus on things over the past century and a half, roughly, has been declining, listing out a lot of the reasons based off of scientific studies and experiments and uh, potential solutions. I'm on the latter half of the book, which is focusing primarily on solutions. It is amazing the amount of factors that fall into the preventing or what prevents you mm -hmm. uh, from being able to focus from diet to, I mean, obviously, social media is a huge part of it. Uh, there's a lot of other things that you wouldn't expect uh, would play as big of a role. Um, but yeah, I would recommend reading that if you have any interest in that. It's, it's a great book, very informative. Uh, but yeah, Rangers Apprentice, I will get there inevitably. <laughs> um, yes, Patrick, I took German in, in high school and college, so that's why I pronounced it that way. I wasn't sure. Because we've gotten to the point where we now have people who watch from Europe, so I never that's know fun. anymore. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh Normal video watcher for $5 says, do you guys have any thoughts on how skimwalkers, Wendigo, feral people uh, would take people silently? Keep thinking of the guy who only left pocket change. Ah, uh, yeah, Chris Tompkins. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's the thing is I, it just, I, I can move very quietly if I want to. Um, huh. When I was a kid, I was really good at it. Like yeah. I, we would play, uh, if you've ever played Infection in Halo or in Call of Duty or any of those games, uh, we would play a variant of that and we would do it in person, uh, outdoors, you know, like, like kids used to do back in the day. And there was a point, you know, we were in high school, we were in middle school and high school and we did this. And there was a point when I could move totally silently. I, I could sprint almost totally silently. Which is impressive. When I was like 16, 17. Um, so I would say it's probably just an extension of that. You spend enough time stalking you get really, really good at it. Um, as for, you know, preventing them from screaming or something, probably just hitting them. Yeah, or, or yeah, knocking covering them out. Yeah. But if you can hit somebody in the head or you can, you know, run into them fast enough and, you know, just enough force can theoretically do it. But yeah, so that's the thing is I don't have perfect answers to all these questions. It would just have to be, you know, something of a, 
over time you get really, really good at certain skills, and these things have had a long time to get good at those skills, even yeah. if it's humans, even if it's people, you know. Like I said, it. I, I was not born out in the woods. Yeah, I was not. I'm not even a hunter, but yeah. spent enough time tracking my friends and games that, for me, moving quietly was never an issue. Yeah, I am interested by the next question. Uh, by Kyle. Yes. Uh, so Kyle Hilchenko for Canadian five dollars says, if you had the equipment and the funds, is there any case you wouldn't investigate in person? I'm pretty much game for anything. Uh yeah. I mean. I, really I think the one the one that makes me nervous is Nahani. <laughs> Sorry. Nahani. River Valley. Oh, yeah. As, yeah. as fascinating as I find it, it does make me nervous because I feel like to fully investigate it, you would have to go into the caves. I do not like caves. Valid. Yeah, I would not go into that one unarmed. But you can't really take guns into caves. I would not go into that yeah. one unarmed. I think that... And the problem is, like, you can't even really use drones. Really? Well, yeah, because of the radio frequencies. Oh, yeah, right. You'd basically have to use a wired drone to explore that. Which would just be... Uh, well. Yeah, it would be almost completely impossible. I really would love to do the one in uh, the crazies, the crazy mountains. Oh, yeah, Aaron Hedges. I would love reason, to go investigate that one. There's just something about that story that really intrigues me. I don't know why. Yeah, that's that's definitely a fascinating one. But I think, yeah, as far as something I wouldn't investigate in person, I would say anything that necessitates a cave. Yeah, that's fair. I can't do caves. I'm terrified of caves. Uh, it's not it's not what's in the caves. It's getting stuck that bothers me. Yeah, no, understandably if so. If I go into a cave and something kills me, at least it's quick. Yeah. If I go into a cave and I get stuck... No thanks. Because then especially it's like it's dark as hell. You can't see yeah. anything. You can't yeah, find your way not... out. The level of oxygen is like questionable. Like, yeah. Mm. Yeah, you just couldn't. Caving and diving. Um, I could do diving in open water. Not cave diving. Oh, God, no. I don't know how people do that. Uh, Pelly Guy for five says, planning a trip to the Black Hills. Any dimensional horrors I should be on the lookout for? Black Hills. Um, I'm going to have to look into that one. I, I will circle back to that. Um, but I, I will definitely do some looking because that is a good question. I haven't really done anything that covers that region. Mm-hmm. Um, True Neutral for Australian 799 says, I'm, I'm probably never going to be up this early again to watch your stream again. So here's my thanks for all the vids we've been watching. Thank you. Thank you very much. That means a lot to us. We're glad that you're enjoying everything enough to binge. Yeah. Um, Striker INF just became a Lodge Ranger. Thank you very Thank you, much, sir or ma'am. Welcome. Um, Road Wireless Go Two is a great portable field mic. Hint, hint for a hundred bucks. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, well, now we actually might be able to uh, afford it. Yeah. Um, the goal would be the Rode H4N just as a baseline, and then getting a mic that goes along with it, mm-hmm. or ideally two lobs that can feed into it. What's but what's the what is that? It's a portable recorder that also has built-in microphones it's just got, got really good quality yeah gotcha yes very much a w from rob yes um, absolute w from rob oh, brad said binged all the content thank you thank you brad and you know what we are doing pretty well yeah he said he hopes we're doing well we are doing pretty well we're uh we've had a hell of a month <laughs> in terms of yeah changes in in viewership 
Yeah, uh, we, that have been really exciting. I mean, just the the fact that we have over 100 people watching right now is awesome. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Yeah, also, that's very new. The fact that we're over 55,000 subscribers. I, I will openly say, like, I have loved doing this, but passing that 50,000 subscriber mark was like, oh, oh, we're like a real channel now. Yeah, it, it, there was like a <laughs> legitimacy feeling to yeah, it. Definitely yeah. of, you know, okay, who, like we made it. Yeah. <laughs> We're we're real now. Yeah. Um. You know that that second fifty thousand is it somehow feels not as intense as the first fifty. Once we, I mean, well, the thing that's really going to be insane about that is if, and I'll just say if because you never know, if we hit a hundred thousand, I mean, we get a silver play button. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Really, really <laughs> pretty cool. I, mean, I do want to address real awesome. quick. Valerie Paxton said, uh, joined your Patreon, sent you a message, never got a reply. Yes, I do need to get better about replying to the Patreon. Um, mm. We are in the process of trying to figure out a, a situation where we hire an assistant to help us out with this stuff. Yes. To at least let us know when there's stuff in the inbox. And yeah. as for the P.O. box, I have been meaning to go check it. I will check it tomorrow. Um, I have time for once. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah unfortunately, when we do, I, we do have full-time yeah. jobs aside from this. So it makes it a little tough to be able to like keep up with everything. Yeah, the I mean, PO box I can't. I literally can't go to because I'm at work. Oh yeah, post yeah, office yeah. Is yeah. Open. yeah, that's annoying as hell. And I live a half hour away from it. Yeah, it's it's frustrating, but I will check it tomorrow. Um, I will make a point to do that. All right, Plaz says you'll be out for the evening, but I just want to pop in this report. Thank you, Plaz. Uh, and Peaky Blinder says, Aiden, please read my latest message on here. The last thing that we see from you is W. Rob. Yeah. Which we did read. Um, looking for something else. History Daddy said, would you investigate any UK missing 411 cases? Absolutely. If we can get to the UK. Yeah, that's that's the bigger problem is getting to the United Kingdom is... Uh... I've been there before. I love it. I absolutely love London. I would go back anytime. I absolutely love Ireland. I desperately want to go back sometime soon uh but it's the ability to get there yeah it's at present very expensive to travel especially yes. overseas i would love to would love to do that start a ballroom dance interesting interesting question um i'm not that familiar with them i would love to get what, more familiar is, with them because i think there's something else there is there's like a a week long celebration in Austria, that does, it's just like ballroom dancing for it's either like a long weekend or a week, and you just go and you get really like all fancily dressed up and like just kind of explore this element of extravagance through dance for whatever period of time it is. I remember looking into it with a group of friends at one point. It seemed really cool. Um, I don't remember what it's called, but I, that's on my list. I guess it's on my bucket list. But yeah, it seems like it'd be cool. I, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I was gonna say like waltz or something, but I just don't know enough of those dances to be able to make a genuine comment about which is preferred. It's been a very long time since I did anything ballroom dance oriented. Um, I used to know how to waltz. That was about it. Fair. Yeah. It's pretty cool that you did it though. Yeah, it was for camp. Hmm. I never. I did, did camp a lot of once. weird stuff for camp. And then um, next uh, next month, not even next month, next weekend, I have a camp reunion, which they might do Lore Lounge. We might, we oh, might have a Lore Lounge episode with uh, a whole bunch of people who have known me for 10 years. So that could be interesting. Um, 
And yeah, if you want to become a channel member, uh, since some people are discussing it, uh, if you are on a computer, at least, you can go to join directly under the video, um, and that will take you to a membership join thing. Um, we do now have multiple uh, levels, although to be perfectly honest with you, um, you get almost exactly the same things for the two higher tiers as you do for the regular tier. We just want to give people the option to donate more. Yeah. Um, because, you know, sometimes people want to donate more. We are looking to restructure the Patreon in the sense of, like, give actual incentives to, like, do the higher tiers. You tiers. realize there, there are, right? I know, but, like, even more so in terms of, like, exclusive video content. Oh, yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we have exclusive video content coming. We've got the first one that's coming out on Friday, and that'll be available for everybody to see. Drunk Folklore. Mm -hmm. And then uh, after that, it will be Patreon and member uh, exclusive. Yes. So I think we'll be able to post it as a members-only video on YouTube as well. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. So Patreon and YouTube, both accessible for that. Um, Brad said, I think you said you studied in Wales in your first video. I could be wrong, but really cool as a Welsh man. So I was planning to go to Wales. Yes. Uh, and then COVID kind of made things iffy, and this channel taking off made it really difficult to uh, pass that up. Yeah. Um, basically, the way I looked at it, and you'll remember me saying this, is I can go back to school anytime. How many opportunities you get to you be YouTube famous? Yep. Um, so Here stuck around to do this, and honestly, I'm I am totally happy with the decision that I made. Well, it's yeah. great to hear, in yeah. my opinion. Uh, you can't see it right now, but there is a Welsh flag right there. Um, yes. You know, right behind Aiden. In fact, I think you can see the the edge of the green of it in the very, very upper. Uh, Right, I'm trying to like put my finger over. It's up there. There you go. <laughs> can you, you see? see you can see. Okay. Yeah. Actually, uh, I should have just asked you to just point straight up because it would have been. Yep. <laughs> uh, you will meet Castiel soon. Or sorry, Crowley soon. Yeah. If you Crowley met Castiel, you very soon Crowley after Cass. Very quickly. Yeah. Um. Let's see, uh, do you think you can go on a hike in Nahani Valley and set up game cams to see if those tribes of Wendigo or ancient cave peoples do hunt at night? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, the only downside is that the likelihood of them crossing one of the cams, depending on how many we put up, is yeah. highly unlikely. So, like, potential that it might work, yes, but the likelihood's very low. Doing an actual legitimate investigation of that area would require lots of money yeah probably like tens of thousands of dollars easily. just in equipment alone easily um and then of course you need teams to go out and check the cameras you need to pay for people to actually even be out there that much time like yeah. I, I think something that a lot of people don't necessarily realize about uh your favorite <laughs> content creators and everything on youtube and all that is that it's not necessarily how much money a video costs to shoot or to edit or any of that that is uh, preventative when it comes to the bigger projects. For us, the reason, the biggest reason that he and I can't go down to Tennessee tomorrow and shoot a video on Dennis Martin is that we both have to be at work. Once we no longer, it, I'm not going to say once, but if we get to a point where we will no longer have to work, um, 40 hour normal jobs, mm. then we could do a lot more content. I'm looking into ways that i could possibly do that but yeah. i don't I, I i certainly don't have the the infrastructure right now in terms of money um 
but yeah, I would say if we can get to a point where we're bringing in five grand a month between the two of us. That would probably be enough to... I'm just thinking with taxes. That'd be enough to at least go part-time with our part -time, day jobs. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I'd, at a certain point, you know, like, we're probably going to need to be looking at 10k in monthly revenue for him and I to both do this full time minimum but until that point we're going to do everything we can um big cheese for $2 ask will junior rank $5 a month get you all content so with with the patreon um i probably should restructure the youtube ranks to better reflect the patreon ranks yeah but with the patreon ranks uh $1 gets you access to all the content so $5 definitely does as well. I think there's also like a sticker or something that comes with the $5 tier. Mm. But uh, yeah, $5 on Patreon gets you access to everything we currently do. Um, and then we'll probably continue to get access. And then I think when we do the next episode of Into Thin Air, we'll do it as a Kickstarter. And part of that Kickstarter campaign will be that you get to see it early. Mm. Um, so we'll release the video on YouTube at some point, And then probably a week or two before that, we'll release a patron exclusive one yep. where um you get to see special stuff and we'll probably have like behind the scenes footage and all that um yeah. to make things a little bit better but yeah at the moment we're kind of in a weird spot in terms of how much money we have to do anything um let's see <laughs> uh traveling bard says okay i've been considering quite a bit lately what kind of stuff will becoming a patron get me so you'll get uh exclusive content that only goes on the patreon that includes short stories that I write. Uh, that includes academic stuff that I've written. Um, we're going to be putting drunk folklore up there yep. once we have enough of them. Um, so we're just going to have a whole bunch of a whole bunch more stuff going up there. And at the at the very core of it, the most important part is that Patreon gives us a little bit more of a consistent um, amount of money. Yeah, like we can we can kind of predict give or take $200. Yep. Well, more often take $200. Yeah. Where our Patreon's going to net us for a month with YouTube, it is anyone's guess. Yeah. There's also stuff that I'm considering throwing up there as well was long, along with some short stories that I have. Also, some book stuff that I haven't been doing a lot with recently, but I kind of want to get back into it just because I want to. Uh, yeah. So if you guys want anything from both of us, let me know. If not, I just won't do it. Well, I mean, feel free to post stuff. Even yeah. if it sucks, at least it's stuff. <laughs> it may be trash, but it's our trash. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's funny. It ain't much, but it's honest work. Kayo yep. uh, says, uh, this money is only to be used if you go to Nahani River Valley. If you do something else, I'm changing the way milk tastes. It's a good thing I don't drink milk. I'm, I'm just curious how you plan to change the way milk tastes. I don't want to know. I uh, really don't want to know. Uh, but yeah, okay. We're we're gonna put a five dollar bill on the wall. That's gonna and we're gonna put it in a glass <laughs> case that says "Break in case of Nahani." Um, Can we actually do that? Break to hunt pale face demons. Oh, uh, I'm happy with that idea. Striker INF says for five dollars. What is your opinion on little people? Uh, I was visiting a small museum in Casper where they had a small section de dedicated to the Pedro Mountain Mummy. I'm gonna have to look that up. Uh, when you said little people, I thought you meant something else. Um, but I do think that it's, it's certainly interesting and I think there's probably legit 
reasons for all of our stories of things like dwarves and goblins mm-hmm. that goes back far enough. Um, because so, for example, this uh, this mummy that you told us to check out in Wyoming, I'm going to pull that up in a second. But Saferno did actually um, bring up a good point about tree dwelling uh, hominids. Jaden, is that just for one Aiden or both? Because I mean, I'm not against that. Let's see, um, I can't remember the. Uh, Striker added. Also, the museum gave me copies of the literature they had on display. If you would like a copy, yeah, send it to the email. Which we will try and get a uh, get better about. Yeah, there's. I, I need to go check out specifically Saferno. If you remember, tell me. Um, but I'm. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what the hominid was, but yes, it was. Um, I think that there is a a solid chance that there were smaller humans at some point, um, you know, in the distant, distant, distant past that Mm. would have given us the genetic memory of something akin to dwarves or goblins. And if we had ancestors or uh, ancient cousins who did live in trees, there's that totally possible that there would have been some that lived in caves. Yep. Um, you know, at the end of the day, these are both supposed to be shelter from predators. And if you can dig yourself into a cave, you can get away from a mountain lion. Yeah. Um, something like that. Thank you, Arson, for, for counting. Thank you, Arson. Uh, um, oh yeah, I did say I was going to talk about the girl who doesn't believe in Rome. Um, <laughs> oh, I always love these rats. Yeah. Also, the museum gave me a copy of the literature they had on display. If you'd like a copy, I would love a copy. Um, no, I said they sent it to the email willing. Yeah, uh, yes, in 2020, there were fossil records found of a tree to only people around four feet tall. I just can't remember what they were called. Um, they're still small humans. They all moved to Mexico. We do have, uh, the, the average height in Guatemala is insanely small. Really? Yeah, here, let me, uh. We should have a community. The average Guatemalan woman is four foot ten. Guatemalan man, five feet four. Five, four. That's wild. Yeah. Um, let's see. Shortest. Uh, we should have a community story night. I have a short story I'm writing on Carrico uh, as... No... We could organize that in the Discord. Yeah, that sounds like a cool, yeah, cool plan to me. Uh, wow. Bolivia. Four foot eleven average between both men and women. That's wild. That is insane. I wonder what the genetic... And environmental benefits of that are of being tiny. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a like nutrition issue. That if you're small, it might be probably because you lack nutrition. You know. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. There may be that, or there may be. I mean, different communities and groups of individuals have adapted Homo to different specific yes. environments, so it may be an environmental ad- adaptation. Yeah. Um. Homo Lu. Uh, Peaky Blinder, I mean, I wouldn't be against it. It's always good to have backup. No, how much you know about guns, but do you think a 45 summer would be big enough to drop Wendigo? Uh, I mean, the problem is, is that we don't have enough concrete evidence on like the the ability to penetrate their skin or, you know, what kind of damage a projectile would do. 
I know a 4570 would do a hell of a lot of damage to most things. <laughs> damage. Damage, yes. <laughs> so, like I said, sometimes my brain and my mouth don't... Why was the word so, coagulate the one that came to mind? Homo luzinensis, also locally called Ubag, after a mythical caveman, is an extinct, possibly pygmy species of archaic human from the late Pleistocene of Lutzon in the Philippines. Their remains, teeth, and phalanges are known only from Kalau Cave in the northern part of the island, dating to before 50,000 years ago. They were initially identified as belonging to modern humans in 2010, but in 2019, after the discovery of more specimens, they were placed into a new species based on the presence of a wide range of traits similar to modern humans, as well as Australopithecus and early Homo. Their ancestors, who may have been Asian Homo erectus, or even some earlier than Homo, uh, other earlier Homo, would have needed to... I'm going to get this video demonetized for the amount of times I'm saying they're going to think it's a slur, yep. um, would have needed to have made a sea crossing of several miles at a minimum to reach the island. Human presence on Lutzon dates to at least 771,000 to 631,000 years ago. The inhabitants of the cave dragged in mainly Philippine deer carcasses and used tools for butchering. This sounds exactly like the descent. Yes. Also, uh, Kaylin said a 4570 will knock your soul out of your body regardless of what end of the rifle you're on, and that's fair. <laughs> that's a good point. So they did live in caves. So th these people did live in caves. They did hunt, it sounds like, or at the very least scavenge. Um, I mean, that's terrifying. Yeah, I want a 4570 so badly. But yeah, if you look at, this is where the land used to be. Um, I've evaporated many pumpkins. That's great. Uh, you might want to read that last, yeah, most recent I'm super chat. Trying to find the, the mouse. Um, all right. Let's see, what do we got here? Do you ever think the anti-Rome lady is just tr trolling? Uh, early on, there was a chance that it was trolling or some sort of performance art. But uh, she really dug in her heels and she really kept getting more and more serious. I don't, I don't know how somebody can be that stupid. Um... You may want to fill people in for those who are yeah. not familiar Yeah, so for those it. who aren't aware of the millennial situation, this is a woman on TikTok who made a series of videos claiming that the Roman Empire did not exist and that it was made up by the Catholic Church in, during the Spanish Inquisition, which did not begin until 1478. Um, you know, forget about the fact that we can carbon date Bibles to yeah. the early three and four hundreds. Um, that, that prove that this stuff was around before 1478. Also, why would they make up Rome? And, and the amount of effort that would go into making up Rome is so just absolutely massive. I, I mean, you'd have to plant artifacts. Mm -hmm. Also, I wonder, you know, like... It, it, she makes this point that none of the stuff that we call Roman is actually Roman. It's mostly Greek. And I'm like... Okay, but who who was spreading it? Was it the Greeks or was it the Romans spreading Greek architecture? Yeah, because it it doesn't matter if it originated as Greek if it was the Romans doing it. Also, this is a fun little tidbit of uh, how bad the American uh, education system is. I know you and I recently had a conversation where uh, because he studied history, he has a slightly warped understanding of the you know majority of Americans understanding of history uh so like a nice little tidbit that i and keep in mind i went to a good school i had history all four years i enjoyed history somehow it never got clarified 
that uh, Greece was never officially like a state. Yeah. It was just a group of communities or, or you know, areas, city states. cities, city states specifically working together under the idea of a mutual. Often not working thing. together. Yeah, true. They usually weren't working together. Yeah. Or there, at least they, they a, had commonality. So people do not, uh, people often underestimate the extent to which Greece was decentralized. Um, there were leagues and that was the most centralized it ever got. Yeah. On its own. Well, and then just the fact that the uh, the Acropolis functioned as essentially a central bank. The Acropolis. Or not the Acropolis, the Parthenon, sorry. I did not know about the Parthenon as a bank. Yeah. Well, Apparently that was what its intended use was. Oh. And, and utilized. But yeah, I just I was doing some research the other day. Um, which tab is the member thing on the channel? If you look under the video itself... Um, there's a join button, but in order to actually do it on the channel, you would go to the channel and then right on the same level where it says the lore lodge, where the channel title is, if you <laughs> look to the right, there's a join button. Um, wow, we are at 955,000 views of the channel. Whoa. That's wild. That's insane. Uh, History Daddy saying Athens and Sparta splitting up Greece for funsies. <laughs> Just <laughs> quirky, you know. Yeah, whatever. basically. Well, and Corinth. <laughs> Corinth was a. Do, do not do not sneeze at Corinth. Corinth was a powerhouse of a state. You know, Nix, that's a great point that I've asked on more than one occasion. Why I, I understand buildup of debris, buildup of you know essentially natural particles that you know through wind erosion, well, you, uh, you know degradation of leaves and things like that. Soil builds up over time to an extent. How are all of these cities just be so far underground, number one? And why were they so completely abandoned? Obviously, there are reasons to abandon mm -hmm. a location. But it's just fascinating that, like, all of these huge swaths of land... At they one also point, had eminent domain. Don't forget that. What do you mean? Like, the Roman Empire could come in and just look at a whole bunch of buildings and say, hey, these are condemned, we need to build something. True, but... And like, they would just cover it with dirt. Interesting. Mm -hmm. mm. So a lot of people, th this is another thing, um, a lot of people think about modern demolition techniques. We can get rid of a building pretty quick. Yeah. Um, back then, it was a lot faster mm -hmm. to cover something mm. with dirt than it was to take something down or build on top of it. Mm -hmm. um, so there are many instances where that happened where... They just covered something with dirt. There are also instances where something was abandoned for economic reasons. Mm -hmm. And over the course of, you know, it doesn't take that long for something to get filled in. No, not at all. And and I think what a lot of people, like, when, when they see these things, they're like, man, you know, I wonder how all this dirt and debris got here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, how did nobody know? It's not that nobody noticed. It's that an area was abandoned for some reason. Yeah. Be it economic or climate change or any of that. Areas would be abandoned. And then... Over the first 5, 10, 20 years, it would get run down and decrepit, and there would yeah. be vines everywhere, and dirt would cover the roads, and nobody would want to move back in. So over 2,000 more years, even more stuff gets piled on. Yeah. And eventually, you just forget that, that nobody ever knows that there was something there. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that uh, happens in many cases, like you'll see these... Uh, they, they, if you go to the UK you'll find hill forts. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are actually built up and, and put together and all that um, and have been 
renovated and restored to show you what did this area look like once upon a time. Mm-hmm. When they found it, it was literally just a hill. Yeah. A lot of these hill forts, they only find from the air. Mm. Because when you're up and when you're a thousand feet up in a plane, you can look out and see that there's an outline of a wall. Yeah. If you're just looking at the hill, you might not recognize it. You might not know. And yeah, especially I the ones that are now it, covered yeah. with trees. Like, yeah. So uh, just a lot of people, you know, don't realize how easy it is for stuff to just get covered up over time. Yeah. Also a note on historical architecture. I do find it interesting that another little tidbit that I found out this weekend from my research is I believe it was Augustus who uh, put the limit on buildings, concrete buildings in Rome specifically at, I believe it was six stories. You weren't allowed to build any higher than that. And I just think, wouldn't it be really interesting if they didn't do that and to see how high the Romans could have built in terms of, because they were referring to them as skyscrapers, but like, yeah. Imagine Roman genuine skyscrapers of like, you know, 10, 15, 20 stories, and then just kind of like thinking about like, well, would they have invented some form of, I don't want to say primitive, but early versions of elevators in order to, you know, work with that? I, I just, yeah. it would have been really interesting. I mean, we know that they had, they had figured out dumb waiters. Was it? It's the little mini elevators that go in old houses for oh, right. yes, yes, yes. serving staff to bring up food and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so we know they had that figured out. They had, yeah. they knew how pulleys worked. Yeah. Um, you know, so chances are, it, that's the thing, is if you went back in time and you gave a group of Roman engineers unlimited resources and food and money, they could probably build some really cool stuff. Oh, yeah. But they would never have had the food and, and money and, and time and all of that. No. Um, so that's, you know, that's why a lot of this, a lot of ancient buildings, you know, are very broad but not very tall. They could have built them taller. Yeah, it's totally possible. Oh, they absolutely. Just chose not to. Like Trajan's column is over a hundred feet tall. Um, mm. It's literally just a column. I think it's over a hundred feet tall. I might be wrong about that. Somebody should check on that for me. Um, but let's look back at super chats. Pelly guy says for five. Uh, Rome may not may exist, but what about Charlemagne and the Phantom Time stuff? I'm gonna need you to be more specific about Phantom Time. I mean, all of Phantom Time is BS. But I'm gonna need to know which specific part of Phantom Time, so I can. You're gonna have to tell me it. what Phantom Time is in relation to whatever you guys are talking about. Phantom Time can refer to a number of things, but in general, it refers to the belief that uh, time prior to God. There's what is the Phantom Time hypothesis specifically? Uh, Phantom Time hypothesis. Uh, Published in 1991, it hypothesizes a conspiracy by the Holy Roman Emperor Otto III, Pope Sylvester II, and possibly Byzantine Emperor Constantine VII to fabricate the Anno Domini dating system retroactively in order to place them at the very special year of AD 1000 and to rewrite history to legitimize Otto's Otto's crown. Um, There have been a number of versions of this uh, put out, some that say that everything before 1945 is made up, some that say everything before the moon landing is made up. Uh, it, it varies when you want to put the date. There's no evidence for it whatsoever. Um, it is not something you're taught in history. You're not even taught that this exists yep. um, in, in history classes. And, and I want to make it clear, the actual like phantom time hypothesis does say 1000 AD. If there is, there, there is nobody more qualified in the podcasting space besides maybe Stakuyi mm-hmm. to say this is BS yeah. than me. Like, Fair. This is the area I studied. It makes no sense in relation to what happens in the following century. 
Mm. Um, like it, it just it it doesn't fit. If you were going to make up time prior to 1000 AD, you would not make up what we believe the story is. Yeah, like why? Also, with more modern archaeology, it would never hold up. No, because they would have to have gotten literally every single thing that has ever been found from before 1000 AD. Yep. They would have had to properly explain away or fabricate. Yep. And there's just no way that happened. No. Um, Charlemagne was real. Um, in fact, Charlemagne being real <laughs> is literally the only way that Italy existing in its current form makes sense. Um, you can <laughs> elaborate on that a little bit. So uh, the reason that Charlemagne became Holy Roman Emperor mm -hmm. was that he went in and... Uh, well, his, his grandfather also helped, but uh, the Carolingian dynasty in general went in and was very, very helpful with the Pope in terms of um, maintaining the independence of the Italian peninsula, mm -hmm. because what it was at the time was a bunch of duchies that were uh, basically subservient to the Pope. Mm. Um, they weren't totally, there were other vassalage issues, the feudal system's very complex, but the the key here is that the Pope was having problems with the Lombards. Um, the Duchy of Lombardy was in northern Italy, and the Franks came in and sorted that out. And so the Pope and the Franks became very good friends for the next 1,300 years. Um, so, but yeah, so Charlemagne, definitely real. Phantom Time, definitely not real. Uh, if I remember correctly, um, yeah, okay. So, and this is kind of like in the same vein as new chronology which is anatoly fomenko it's the same idea but he's the one he, he's the rome wasn't real it was made up by the catholic church got it um but yeah uh so illig's claims include that there is a scarcity of archaeological evidence that can be reliably dated to the period of 614 to 911 that's not true that the dating methods used for such recent periods radiometry and dendrochronology are inaccurate they're not trees do grow a new ring every year yeah like, um, th this is the same thing as flat earthers where they're like, I don't understand this science, therefore it's not real. Yeah. Um, that medieval historians rely too much on written sources. That's valid. Um, that the presence of Romanesque architecture in 10th century Western Europe suggests that the Roman area was not as long ago as conventionally thought. This one apparently is the opposite of new chronology, um, suggesting that Rome existed up until the Gothic era. Um, oh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, Romanesque architecture, for those who don't know, is a medieval art style that was intended to mimic Roman styles, but because they were lacking in a lot of the uh, technology that the Romans had, they often didn't really quite do it. Yep. Um, examples of Romanesque architecture would be like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, mm. um, which is much later than the Roman period, but yep. it is designed to look Roman. Yeah. Um, examples of the opposite of that, which is Gothic architecture, would be the Notre Dame. Yes. Um, I have a favorite of these two styles. Uh, it is not Romanesque. Um, Fair. That the, at the time of the introduction of the Gregorian calendar in AD 1582, there should have been a discrepancy of 13 days between the Julian and the real or tropical calendar when the astronomers and mathematicians working for Pope Gregory the 13th had found that the civil calendar needed to be adjusted by only 10 days. From this, Illig concludes that the AD era had been counted, had counted roughly three centuries that never existed. 
So, I mean, I know, um, I know this isn't directly related, but I do find it interesting that a lot of people will argue about certain things in terms of history and science and just t- kind of totally forget the possibility that sometimes people are wrong. Yeah. Literally it. Like. Like. It's it's just making such a... It's, it's so wildly... Off base. Just because it's incorrect doesn't mean it was intentionally incorrect. Illy believed that this was achieved through the alteration, misrepresentation, and forgery of documentary and physical evidence. What's funny is that the Catholic Church did actually forge a number of documents. Doesn't surprise me. But none of them were this. Um, according to the scenario, the entire Carolingian period, including the figure of Charlemagne, is a fabrication with a phantom time of 297 years added to the early Middle Ages. There is a glaring problem here, which is Islam. In what way? They were recording all of this themselves. Ah, right. So the Carolingian period for Islam, the, this 297 years from 614 to 911, yeah. is the establishment and expansion of Islamic territory. Mm. Up until it's near its zenith. Yeah. Like... I mean, the, there's the, there's Islamic accounts of stuff that occurred during this time that coincide with the European accounts. Mm. Like the Battle of Tor in 732 AD. Yep. Recorded by both the Moors and the Franks. Mm. Takes place at the same time. Yep. The, the thing about these phantom time hypothesis and flat earth and all these different conspiracy theories um, is that th- they almost always fall flat on their face immediately. Yeah, but people don't do enough actual research yeah. to be able to figure that out. So it's, you know, very, very simple. People are really going off about the uh, the Roman versus Gothic architecture. That's fair. Patrick Lang says, I have a particular bone to pick. A while ago you said you had some lady on the show who said C.S. Lewis's science fiction novels do not hold up. I called B.S. The Space Trilogy is based and I highly recommend it. I think that was probably Piper. Probably. Um... Yeah, I haven't read his science fiction novels. Um, yeah, I, no. Probably should. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're terrible, but it would also be kind of funny. Um, Gothic architecture is the supreme choice. Um, Peaky Blinder said, Aiden, am I based? I suppose... Based off of everything that you've said thus far. S- thus yeah. far, yeah, I would say. Um, based on what, Jesse? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> um... You know, like, own it. Was gothic architecture a reaction to how awful its parents were to it? <laughs> uh, I find it, so tell me why specifically you would prefer gothic over Roman. I'm not saying I not disagree. Roman, Romanesque. Romanesque. Yeah, so, um... And obviously I'm, I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with you, I'm just curious, based off of the intrigue in the chat, generally. I mean, I love gothic architecture. So this is, this is Romanesque. Let me see if I can, can I, uh... Is the Eddie still working? It is. Cool. So. That wasn't what I wanted. There we go. So this is Romanesque architecture. For those uh, listening, um, it's a little bit rounder um, than, than Gothic, I guess. But, like, you can, see the, you can see the very obvious medieval influence to it. No, 100%, yeah. But you can also see that there is definitely a Roman influence with the columns and the yeah. arches. Um, I mean, this one right here, uh, throws me for a little bit of a loop. It definitely feels more gothic. 
Well, you're probably recognizing it because the, of the cathedral, Sonic Temple, of Philadelphia. Um, oh, that's not what I was leaning toward, but yeah. So I was leaning more toward Notre Dame, but yeah. See, um, that's fair. Yeah, which is very. This is very Crusader era, like. Yeah. Sonic Temple in Philly is so cool. It's got all these different uh, lodge rooms too. Oh, that's cool. Um, so like, for example, this oh is one, this is one of them. This is one of them. Um, Lord, this is one of them. <laughs> What's this? Is the Egyptian like? hall? Mm, clean. Hmm. A Corinthian hall. Like it's just, it's a very pretty building. It's a gorgeous building. Yeah. Yeah, like, look at this. Look at this. I'd be interested in going just because of the architecture. Yeah. The Renaissance Hall. I want to get married here. Oh, that'd be cool. Assuming I, you know, convince somebody to marry me. I'd trick them into it, I think. <laughs> that's look not at, how the force look works. Look at that. Oh, that's gorgeous. I mean, come on. Imagine living in a house with all of these rooms. That'd be insane. Um, I saw somebody mention silencers. And That's some eyes wide, sh eyes wide shot stuff right there. That's funny. Which is used for the goat sacrifice. You might have to do some defensive uh, oh Freemasonry right All now. Right, is, is, this, is this now becoming a, a Freemasonry Q&A session? I think it might be, yeah. All right, you know what? You know what? Let's do it. Let's I have it. I have nowhere to be. Do you have anywhere to be? Not really. All right. You know, I'm going to run to the bathroom. You guys super chat your Freemasonry questions, and I will answer them. How's I say, that sound? I say we go max till 845. Yeah. All right. So we've got half an hour of the show left. We're going to go till 845. I'm going to answer your Freemasonry questions. First, however, I am going to run to the bathroom because I very much need to. Do your thing. You, you entertain the people. I'll do my best. Ladies, gentlemen, germs. But most importantly, ladies. <laughs> uh, how are we doing? I will try and answer some questions here. That is in the basement of the Grammy Center. Yeah, it really is. I've never been in there, but uh, uh, 401k is being a silenced gun or something like that. Uh, not sure about that specifically. I mean, in terms of... Could have been. I mean, a silenced gun, specifically using a suppressor on any form of firearm, is not necessarily going to be much of a slam. It's going to be more of a... I mean, it's still going to be loud. It also depends on whether you're using regular or subsonic rounds. But Because if you're using regular, you're still going to hear the crack of the bullet breaking the sound barrier, kind of like crack of a whip. Uh, and then you'll still hear the boom of the boomstick, just not quite as loud. Um... Let's see, Becca. To be fair, you don't have to carve a stone to be a mason. You can just lay them, like you know, masonry in terms of brick laying or you know, building stone walls. So fair. Can a trans man be a mason? Oh, interesting questions. All of these questions about masonry, I can't answer. Uh, official Masonic stance on the forty-five. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, it depends on what you can handle in terms of recoil and whether or not you're looking at max firepower or uh, overall ammunition dump count. Uh, obviously, that's not the Masonic stance. That's my stance, but... Um, still prove my point. I don't know. I feel like Aiden's like laid some stones in a line before. 
Uh, Beck is questioning your masonry uh, title because you have not carved stone. I actually have. I've not done stone carving, but I have done some stone laying. Told you. I've done brick laying and stone laying. Yeah. We do have some very interesting masonry questions. Were any of them super chats? No. Ugh. So disappointing. Um. Really quickly, though, you know, just to ask the question, I guess, if I did, like, a weekly or bi-weekly show about Freemasonry, would people actually, like, tune in for that? Would you guys watch? Interesting. Because if you did, I'd do it. The very least monthly would be a, yeah. good, a good bet. Yeah. So I can definitely do that if, you, if people would, would watch it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, what, what are some, uh, what are some... I've moved a rock before unpaid. Am I a Freemason? <laughs> Yeah, I suppose so. Technically, uh, but you said there were questions, so uh... there are. Yeah, so I, I can I can roll back up and look at them. But um, uh, well, the one of them that I was answering specifically uh, official official Masonic stance on the forty five versus nine millimeter debate. <laughs> I like My that. official stance as a Mason um, is forty five. Yeah, uh, I don't know that I could say that the Grand Lodge has the same opinion necessarily. <laughs> um. Uh, if the Masons are free, why do they charge so much? I mean, it's a, a kind of a valid question. What was the question? I don't see it. If the Masons are free, why do they charge so much? So much from T. L. Lancaster. Um, I, I don't know what what he means by why do we cost so much. We don't cost anything. Oh, here's one from Max N. Could a trans man be a Mason? Uh, so that very much depends on the jurisdiction. Um, in England, I'm not sure about Scotland, but in England, yes, a trans man who has actually gone through with transition surgery, or I think there's a possibility that if they're, I, I think they have to have gotten top surgery at the very least. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, it, it varies. Uh, England will allow trans men who have transitioned, uh, trans men who are living as men, um, the United States, it varies by jurisdiction as well. Pennsylvania right now, I think it's case by case. Down South, no. Um, New York might, I don't know. Mm. Um, Freemasonry South of the Mason-Dixon line, uh, is a lot more hit or miss than it is North mm. of the Mason-Dixon line in terms of, uh, how tolerant it is of certain social movements. So... Yep. You know, it, it it would very much be a case by case basis in in general. Canadian Jesus comparing twenty two to three fifty seven is like comparing a slingshot to a trebuchet. Yeah, why would you? I can't think of a reason to compare those things. <laughs> the ones like Mesic who vanished without a sound. I think a paralytic agent is why there are no sounds of struggle and sound. I mean, Matt. Yeah, that's a yeah. that that's a valid point in terms of. I don't know, but like, how quickly would? I, I mean. How easy is it to, to create or acquire a paralytic agent that works that quickly? I don't know. It's a good question, though. We're good. We're, Nick's, we're talking about real Freemasonry, not conspiracy theory Freemasonry. Yeah. No, no. Oh, somebody uh, yeah. asked what the relation between Masons and Templars is. So, it's complicated. It depends who you ask. Some people will tell you that we do come directly through a legitimate line of Templar Knights who uh, changed the wording away from knighthood and into uh, Masonic terms in terms of guilds. There are also those who will tell you that it sprouted out of actual stonemasonry in England in the 16th century. 
Um, the the fact of the matter is, there are a lot of Masons who would say, yes, we are directly descended from the Templars, and I don't think a single one of them could prove it, mm. as far as I know. Yeah. Um, so the way that it is, uh, you know... It's that yeah. So it's it's kind of like we we definitely consider ourselves a moral and philosophical descendant and successor to the Templars. I mm. uh, how legitimate how seriously you take that, um, and how much you believe that we are actual. You know, you can trace your your lodge back to an actual Templar. Yeah, that's gonna vary. I, I do like the comment from Jaden that said, I personally daily carry a single shot yeah. 50 BMG, so I don't know. <laughs> single shot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one thing I will say is that the United States was founded on Masonic ideals. The Masonic order was founded on Templar ideals, so the United States is founded on Templar ideals. Do you think it's more founded on Christianity or Masonry? Masonry. You really? Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on that? Not, not will you, can you elaborate on that? No. <laughs> That's why I asked, because I figured maybe not. Um, That's kind of cool, though. That's interesting. I, I will say this. Um, the fact that it is founded more on Freemasonry means nothing about the extent to which it was founded on Christianity. There's nothing about Freemasonry and Christianity that conflicts. No, fair. I just, it, for yeah. interest... I, I just want to make sure people understand that. Yeah, 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 no, thing. Like, yeah. nothing about being a Freemason uh, contradicts Christianity, Christianity yeah. at all. Because you have to believe in a higher power to even join. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, that that said, you don't have to be a Christian to be a Mason. But nothing in American Freemasonry, at the very least, will contradict Christianity. Makes sense. It might change depending on where you go in the world. Because again, Freemasonry is not a uh, globally organized body. It is organized at the highest level, at the country level, and that's in England. Um, England has its own Grand Lodge. Uh, Pennsylvania has its own Grand Lodge. Mm-hmm. Massachusetts has its own Grand Lodge. Delaware has its own Grand Lodge. Yeah. So there's no it, when it comes to masonry, this is something people should definitely like understand. Um, no, there's there's not a global organization. It is very community based. Yeah. It, 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 you will almost any question you could ask any Freemason, almost any question, could have a different answer somewhere else. Yep. Um, for example, uh, down south, one of the uh, things that you'll be asked if you tell somebody you're a Freemason is, uh, how old is your mother or how old is your grandmother? Mm-hmm. Um, you are not likely to hear that in the north. You are more likely to hear a different code phrase um, that has a code answer. Mm-hmm. And I will not tell you guys what it is um, because then you might be able to cheat your way into uh, a lodge meeting or something. It's very unlikely um, if... If Masons really, really, really want to figure out if you're a Mason or not, they can do it, um, like, through a discussion with you. Yep. Uh, there, there are things that you could not possibly know if they were not shown to you by a Mason. Mm. Um, none of it is offensive to your religion or nationality or anything like that, but it is stuff that you have to be shown. Yep. Um, where are the Masons that are held and need to be freed? <laughs> Are you telling me you're a freaking Templar knight? No. I'm saying that ideologically, the fraternity I belong to maintains the uh, belief system of the Templars. Um, I would not I would not say that I 
and the Templar Knight. Um, one day, I hope to reach that rank. I mean, we, do, cool. we do continue to have the Order of the Knights Templar as part of our... Really? Yeah, the only the only organization in the world that can make you into a Templar is the Freemasons. That's kind of cool. And you have to be Christian to become a Templar. Well, it's the, yeah. This is a very interesting question from Patrick, or comment at least, and I think you'll be able to give him a good uh, answer. What was the question? Oh, you want to read it? Okay. Yeah. Um, Patrick Lange for $15. Thank you much. Said, uh, my granddad was a Freemason. When he died, my aunt asked if I was interested, was an atheist at the time, and said, no, I kind of regret that now as I'm a practicing Christian again. Uh, Patrick, go to beamason.org. You will find a local lodge. I recommend that you reach out to them and ask questions. Um, I'm not saying you got to do it. I'm not saying it's you know going to change your life, but... At the very least, there is nothing stopping you from joining. You don't have to be invited by a mason. You don't have to be recommended. You don't have to bring any sort of letter with you. Um, you just have to reach out and ask. It's, uh, you know, there, there's a specific, uh, I can't remember which. Um... Also, like, the, the key thing to take away from that is just because you didn't do it at yeah. one point does not mean you cannot do it at another. Yeah, I think that question might come from the belief. A lot of people believe that you have to be invited mm -hmm. to join either by a mason or by a widow or a daughter or something like that no you do not have to you can reach out and you can simply ask yeah um so what we what you'll often hear from masons um one of our favorite verses of the bible is matthew 7 um ask and it shall be given seek and ye shall find it knock and it shall be opened unto you for everyone that asketh shall receive and he that seeks shall find and to him that knocketh it shall be opened so that little, uh, you'll see a lot of Freemasons have Matthew 7 or Matthew 8 mm -hmm. on their, or Matthew 7, 7 or Matthew 7, 8 on their um, cars. Mm. So that that is where that comes from. Mm. Baguette Lord asks for $5. Thank you very much. Uh, what's the vibe on Australia Wendy Boys? Good question. There's definitely some stories that fit. Mm. Uh, the Yowie is one that I covered. Mm. I did not realize that the term Yowie has two spellings and that one of them means uh, a, a uh, man-eating hominid figure from Australia that eats people and sounds like an owl hooting. Mm -hmm. And the other one is a form of uh, animated erotica from Japan. Huh. So I found out, I found that out the hard way. I can imagine. On TikTok. Um, yeah. Uh, that's, that's entertaining. Somebody just asked, uh, Matt Flat said, my great uncle was a Mason and hid money everywhere. And most Masons I've met always had money, even when they're not working and they never seem to run out of money. <laughs> I think that might be uh, a conflation of two things. And one of those is that, uh, a lot of Masons are wealthy, mm. um, because wealthy people often seek social activities. And Masonry is one thing that while you don't have to be wealthy, there is a certain expectation of class. Yeah. So it's something that wealthy people enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, it could also be that we are uh, supposed to help each other. Mm. So it might it might be that they just had a very good support system. Fair. Um, Canadian Jesus also asked, what would I gain if I became a Freemason? What would you gain? Mm. Brothers. Um, I mean, that's, that's really the, the core answer to it is you're going to gain a support system. You're going to gain a community, people that care about you, people that want to help you. Um, you will have people who, you know, are, uh, religious and, um, at least doing their very best to adhere to a 
moral code um, that is defined both by the Bible and by Freemasonry. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's if that's the kind of thing that appeals to you, and if you, you're feeling like maybe you moved into a new town, you don't know anybody yet. Um, you know, if you like the environment of church, but you can't find a denomination you like, it's a place where you could go and you could have, you could meet people who are like-minded and, you know, might be willing to have conversations like that with you. So it's just a very good, um, you know, it's a good community to be involved in if you're, if you're a man, especially if you're a man who feels like you need some direction in your life. Um, you know, good substitute for, uh, you know, having, having a dad and uncles around if you don't have that. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you're going to get out of it what you put in if you choose to, to try it. If you join and then never actually show up for a meeting, you're not going to get anything out of it. If yeah. you join and you go to every single meeting, you're going to meet people. You're going to have a support system. You're going to have people who care about you, who are excited to see you. At the very least, it's once a month where you're going to walk into a building and everyone's going to be happy to see you. That's always a nice feeling. So, you know. Uh, what else do we have here? There was one. Uh, uh, K said the Portuguese government has the Order of the Christ. They also claim to be descendants from the Knights Templar. Yes, that is actually one of the few places that would also be able to do that, now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Knights Templar were allowed by the Catholic Church to continue operating in Portugal, mm-hmm. but it was under the Catholic Church's strict uh, supervision and direction, and uh, they had to be, I think, they also had to work with the Portuguese crown, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, it's it's actually very similar to the Catholics creating the Knights of Columbus, Um Knights of Columbus are the Catholic version of Freemasonry. Hmm. And it was created so that, you know, basically there could be Freemasonry. If you wanted to be a Freemason, you could do it without the Pope losing control of your uh, your spirituality. Um, what else do we got in here? Uh, Joshua said, uh, the SA Lodge helped save the Alamo IIRC. I would totally believe that. Um, what is the context? Then? I'm not sure what the SA Lodge is, though. Uh, South American? Um, oh, South Australian. Maybe? Maybe. I would believe it. I'm not sure how they would have been involved in the Alamo. Um, Maybe Southern Alamo? I mean, the Alamo maybe? wasn't saved, either. It was... Valiant last stand. Maybe they mean specifically like the location. Maybe. And the historical yeah, preservation yeah. of it. Um, San Antonio. Got it. San Antonio. That makes sense. That makes much sense. Forgot San Antonio uh, existed. And made contact with the Masonic Halls down there. Would your reputation with your current Masons Hall follow you? Um, to an extent, um, I think a lot of people assume that there's uh, a bit more communication. Um, so, so here's the thing about the South. Uh, I have not interacted with many Southern Freemasons. Um, they are, in some cases, a little bit behind us. This is not exclusive to the South, but it is more common in the south but you will have lodges where uh, i was hearing from some of my uh some other guys from pennsylvania 
um, who have been down south and have traveled and all that. And one of the questions they were asked in uh, Florida, I think it was even Miami, it was mm. in the city. Yeah, I remember uh, you telling me about this. Was, have you ever sat in a lodge room with an African-American? And almost every single person from up north was like, oh, well, yeah, that's totally normal. Yeah. Partially because there is a separate branch of Freemasonry called Prince Hall Masonry, which um, is predominantly black. Yeah. But uh, up north, it's not segregated at all. Um, down south, uh, you know, they, they asked, they said, have you guys ever sat in a lodge with uh, the, the term they used um, was not African-American. It was not the, the N word, but it was a word that YouTube might uh, strike us for. So I'm not going to say it, but uh, in, in Spanish, it's the word for black. Mm -hmm. um, that was the word they used. Yep. And anyone who said yes was uninvited from coming to the meeting. Um, which for me was very disappointing to hear. Um, what was, uh, heartening to hear was how many people in my lodge were flabbergasted by that. And yeah, I'm amazed that word it. is even still used. Yeah. I mean, it's, you can get, you can get, uh, into some interesting situations down there. Yeah. Sometimes I forget the South is still the South. Yeah. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it, for the most part, it is it is a very good organization. It does a lot of good charity work. Uh, I just would, you know, caution people to be aware that there are still places where, you know, it is an organization that is predominantly older white men. And there are places where there's going to be unfortunate political alignments that come with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Um. we're looking at uh could a gnostic join your lodge um also i did see somebody ask if you're a freemason you see somebody who's stolen bones is it on site no um i i i don't think that we have any reason to immediately fight skull and bones society people um Skull and Bones is also a lot more secretive than freemasonry is uh freemasonry we advertise that we're part of it Mm. um you will it, you will usually know somebody is a mason there will be some some sign whether it is a ring or a decal or uh, a tattoo there there will usually be something that gives it away not always but in many cases it's the kind of thing where you can tell masons will very quickly identify another mason mm. um skull and bones not so much uh um but could a Gnostic join? Uh, it would it would depend. I would say, because Gnostic is such a broad term, but in many cases, yes. Uh, as long as your specific version of Gnosticism is of the belief that there was a uh, creative being that created everything, then you can join. So Zoroastrians would be welcomed. Uh, if, if, if any Albigensians still existed, they would probably be welcomed. Arians would be welcomed. Not Arian as in the master race arian is in uh the doctrine of arius um which was that god is god and then jesus and the holy spirit are more like a, a couple of super archangels like even higher above michael mm -hmm. uh, mormons believe that christ and the holy spirit are kind of like a ruling council with god so it depends on your form of Gnosticism. Uh, Zoroastrianism believes that uh, Ahura Mazda invented everything. And um, I can't remember the, the second guy's full name. Um, 
but in that there was another being that was the darkness and chaos and all of that that would twist mm -hmm. and warp things. Uh, if you've read The Silmarillion by Tolkien, uh, very similar to the story of Eru Iluvatar and, uh, Eru Iluvatar and uh, Morgoth, um, very similar to the situation going on there. Caitlin uh, Kennedy says, can't speak for Southern Masons, but racism is pretty scant in Eastern North Carolina. That's good. Um, I, I would hope that the, that the racist lodges are either dying out or changing. Um, but it is the kind of thing where, you know, it, it needs to be called out by, by other Masons. Um, you know, we're, we need to recognize that we have some problems. Um, and I'm working closely now with, uh, with my own Grand Lodge. So hopefully, uh, Pennsylvania will be in a position to kind of lead the way. Lead by example. Um, be Danny nice, D yeah. for $1.99 said, it depends where in the South you go. Um, Brad's asked, do you guys mind answering the question, do you guys support trans rights? Do you mean Masons or us individually? Because um, with Masonry, it's um, it's kind of a, like, like I said, it depends on, on the Lodge, on the Grand Lodge. Um, I would say most Masons probably wouldn't have a problem with trans people doing what trans people do. Yeah. Um, it's it's a very much a classical liberal organization where it's you know they're people so don't don't hurt other people yeah um but you know it's also more conservative yeah in general um so you're probably gonna get people who are like you know whatever it's your life but don't really bug me with it um which you know is, in my opinion is fair like yeah. If, if you're going to do what you're going to do, yeah. don't bug people. Um, you know, you can ask for respect and that's totally fine. But if somebody isn't going to give it to you, they're not going to give it to you. And badgering them probably isn't going to help them. Mm. Um, but Brad says, you guys, um, I frankly don't care what uh, adults do. Yeah, I mean, they're people. So, like, people have rights and we support people having mm -hmm. rights. And if you're trans or not, it doesn't really yeah, bother me. Think you should have the same rights as anyone else anyone else yeah yeah um so. i i don't believe in special rights or lack of rights for any person based on immutable characteristics yeah um to us it's just kind of like all right you be you as much as you need to be and like <laughs> just do your thing and if people are giving you shit about it then fuck them yeah Sorry. That, that's fine <laughs> we're late enough in the show yeah. that, it, that youtube won't hurt us for it um no. but let's see uh <laughs> uh, actually, speaking of Tolkien, what are your thoughts on Bombadil? Um, I think that Tolkien had a plan for Tom Bombadil, mm -hmm. and then um, said no. <laughs> the plan didn't work into the rest of the story, and rather than writing Tom Bombadil out, he just kept him in. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. <laughs> um, I think we did discuss it with Don Marshall mm -hmm. when he was on the show a few months back, so uh, if you want... If you want Tolkien content, go watch that episode. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's called Tolkien Deep Dive with Don Marshall um, or something along those lines. So, But Don Marshall's name is in there, and it's somewhere in the 30s, I think. 30s or 40s for episode number. I just want my right to eat a fat steak. I mean, valid. Fair. Fair, fair and balanced. Uh, is uh, for her eight month um, free super chat 
said, you know the drill, boys. Tell Archie I love him. Don't die before we see you next. Drink water and behave yourselves. I can promise I will do uh, the first three. Fair. Yeah. I can promise I can do the uh, the second one because Archie's not here at the moment. Unfortunately, he's he's with he is with his the grandparents. grandparents. Uh, I haven't. I just don't drink enough water like ever. Yeah, I need to drink more water I, too. I was out with my family for my aunt's birthday last night, and all we all I had specifically was water, and I was very thirsty. I was drinking, just like, oh wow, my body's like happy with me right now. Mm-hmm. I forgot I should like drink water, but yeah, here we are. Oh boy, one more. Uh, Problematic Farmer, thank you, Natalie. Says, uh, for $5, supporting my boys. Also, do recommend checking out more Texas lore. Sure. Sure. The Texas is fun. And Kyrdion of Pope Leo III. Uh, and Chiron of Pope Leo III. Interesting book of prayers and charms from around the 1500s. I'll have to look at it. I have not read it. Um, but we are getting close to 845. Yes. So it is time. Uh, we both have work in the morning. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Yep.